Welcome back to part two of Avi Guido's conversation. We ended talking about how lucky we were to have the technology as advanced as it is when the pandemic started, because, as Abby said, if it was five years before, we probably would not have been able to do what we were able to do. Keep listening to find out where the conversation takes us from there. Yeah, you're right. We would have just relied on the LMS and not really being able to meet students, I guess, you know, uh, where they needed to be. I found that I've kind of like, I began to look at my LMS canvas differently as well. So I'm using that in a different way, in a more effective way, actually, I think, you know, and I'm designing it differently too, because I have these other little tools, which I I love to use. And, you know, I I found that when I introduced um, in my UX class, I introduced students to Miro, Miro, Miro. Is it Miro? Is it Miro? I honestly, I don't we've know. always called it Miro. Yeah. I'm, I'm just not sure. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Miro sounds fancier though, does, so I might it? pick that up. It yeah. does. <laughs> In the classy West Coast. Um, so as, when I introduced students to it, you know, they started to use it in their other classes and they introduced it to others. So it was kind of a snowball effect. And so for me, that was great because I'd, give, I'd just given them this little nugget and they'd run with it and they'd adopted it and they loved using it. Yeah, it's something I'm finding now that's really fun because I we use it for all of our classes in person. And I just automatically in my, you know, Canvas, my modules each week, there's a new Miro board and I have them set up with classes. But now I'm referring back to a class I taught two years ago and trying to remember a project a student did to show a current student. And I'm like, oh, I can just pull up that Miro board really quickly. So it's becoming this documentation of all of my teaching, which is really exciting. Yeah, it is. It's um, tech has been huge. And I think that ed tech, it was their moment, you know, now kind of going off at a little tangent here, but, and I will be talking to, to folks within agencies, you know, as well about this. I felt that the tech that we were using, I found it quite lots of interesting that industry was using it too. And so the big kind of lots of um, push I was giving was you're actually learning some really important workplace skills here. Did you find that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think now even still continuing as we're thinking about the future and and class formats and all these other things, we want our students to be ready to work. And so we want to be using the tools that everyone else is using and teaching them how to work in these different types of environments, whether that is with someone in the same room or with someone across the globe. And so absolutely the Slacks, you know, Miro, all of these tools are so important and they're going to use them for the foreseeable future, I'm sure. You know, we work with tech and I guess maybe it's because of the fields that we that we work in, but not all faculty do. And for the past two summers, I've been mentoring faculty across campus, you know, on the digital literacy, I guess, you know, kind of skills building and so on. And I quite like, so I quite enjoy that because I like to share the things that I know and the things that I discover and I find. And it's kind of, um, it's fun for me. Did you find that other faculty were needing help and that maybe the two weeks wasn't enough? A few of us were reached out to by the administration to see if we would be kind of volunteer mentors for other faculty. And I did that both on a school level within Tyler and a university level. I met with all different types of faculty, which was great because you know how it is. You're at a big university. You don't really always get to interact with people outside of your you know, own little world. And so it was actually really fun to get to connect with some folks outside and who are experts in their field. But like you said, we just were fortunate that what we do is using digital tools. So that's just part of what we're doing. And to be able to share that with someone else and, and help them be able to accomplish what they're trying to teach, because now the tools instead for us, these tools are 
of value for what we're creating. But for them, the tools became a barrier to not be able to teach. And so to be able to help them get through that was was really special. Yeah, I agree with you totally. And um, it was nice to see multi-generational faculty, you know, less of um, overcoming these problems and being able to offer students better, more rounded experience, I guess, you know, so that was nice to see. And then, of course, as we're kind of emerging out of the pandemic or so, you know, so we believe, we hope, and we're returning to campuses, how's the late stage pandemic been impacting you, you know, on this kind of like return? Because suddenly we're very dependent on the tech and then we are venturing back in. And last semester, I guess, was really the testing ground for most people. How are things going over at Tyler? So for our department, a lot of our courses have kind of landed in this hybrid world where, you know, I have some classes that I teach two days a week and we'll have one day in the classroom, one day outside of the classroom. I'm all for masks. We have a very strict masking policy. In fact, after the new year with Omicron, they changed the policy where you have to wear an N95 or a medical mask with with a cloth on top. And so I feel very safe in the classroom. But also when I'm teaching, we teach studio classes, they're five hours long, five hours in a mask with glasses. It can be a little challenging. So, you know, I don't mind the days where we're online and I, I think we can do things differently. And then I do approach those days differently. I try to think about how to conduct a class online. It is very different than in person, but I'm also very happy to be back in the classroom. So I, I think one of the benefits of those hybrid format classes is that I'm still connecting with the students in, in this physical space. I agree. I mean, I'm champion that kind of high flex approach, if that's the right term. What I found as well, I mean, it's great to be back in the classroom. It really is. And then like you, I'm, I'm doing some days, you know, some things are, are online, maybe asynchronous or whatever. But even when I'm in the classroom now, and this is something that has changed for me, for my teaching practice, is that I am Zooming that live session as well. It's actually enabled greater access to, to the class itself. I found this towards the end of last semester where some students, you know, hadn't returned to San Jose. They were still at home, wherever that may be, and they, they weren't able really to commute in. And so having the live session Zoomed meant that they could actually participate. And so that was one thing. But then the ones who were still, you know, within the region, within the area, it meant that they had flexibility at work as well. So... It meant that perhaps in the past, if they'd been asked to work an extra shift, they would have had to turn it down because they had classes. Now it meant that they could actually combine the two and they were able to still participate, become active participants in the class because they could Zoom it. And I think that's um, that's an awesome thing, you know? Yeah, and, I, and we've been doing that as well. You know, I think all of us don't want anyone coming into a room sick right now. And so I, I have a conference room camera and it's just kind of second nature to set it up on the middle table with my laptop. And folks that can't make it in, I, you know, I make sure they let me know because I do want them to understand the importance of accountability. But I have no, you know, questions asked if they send me a message to say, is it okay if I Zoom today? And it's up to them if they want to tell me why or they don't have to, as long as it doesn't impact their performance in the class. Even in my collaborative class this week, one of our students wasn't feeling great. And it's a group project and one of their teammates was able to Zoom them in and they were able to not miss anything. And that that's such a benefit. Yeah, I love seeing that in the um, in the work sessions where, you know, you'll have a team and one of them will actually be on their device. You know, it's great because otherwise they wouldn't have been there, would they? You know, had we been doing everything fully in person and that's a strict rule. 
Yeah, it's kind of funny. It just made me think, you know, I, I used to do this prior to the pandemic, but now it just naturally happens is that if I had students missing and I knew I was covering something that was of importance, even before this, I would just open up Zoom and just start recording my class and then send them the link afterward and say, you know, you missed class, you can watch it here. And now I just automatically do it. It's in the canvas and it's there. So students can catch up if they aren't able to come at all. It's changed our practice quite a lot. You know, I think we've become more aware, more empathic, really, about our student needs and how we can provide them with the best experience. So sometimes it does mean that they'll be able to watch something later on. And the other thing, of course, with the recording, I'd never even thought about this. You know, when you're used to, you know, that kind of practical studio based approach where you're doing things on the fly a lot of the time, you know, inspiration comes and goes and especially during the, the working class session. Recording was always something that I never really considered, but now I do. And I've had lots of testimony from students who found that, particularly, say, with demos, for instance, they have the recording there, even if they, they were in person in the class, but they can still go home. And later on that evening, they can go through the recording. It can refresh them. It can help them. They can work at their own pace. For me, that's been the success, that one of the successes that's come out of our pandemic pivot. Yeah, I, th I think something else that goes along with that that's so great is, you know, we have a lot of international students, a lot of English as second language learners. And now that everything gets transcribed, they can also translate it. And so now we're, we're impacting even more students and we're able to meet them where they're at. And, and that's really a benefit. It's definitely been also one of the great things, you know. And so I guess, I mean, you know, I've got a list of little prompts here, like I said to you before. And really, I think that we, we're kind of covering them almost as of in, in this sort of natural transition, which is awesome. Because I was going to ask you about future thinking. You know, what do we take? What, what have we learned over the past two years that we then take with us moving forwards? We've learned a lot. In some ways, we take it all forward. One thing that I hope we learn, and I hope that everyone learns, is I, I don't think we can ever be prepared for the next big thing. But I, I do think that we can reflect upon how things went, what worked and what didn't work, and continue to build this flexible system like we're talking about. One concern I have is this push to return back to normal, right? And, and you know, just go back. We just, everyone has to just move on and forget everything happened. But that would be such a mistake just because of everything we've talked about. Having the ability, I don't think I ever want a sixth student in my classroom again, because why would I? And now we have the ability to zoom them in. So why wouldn't we continue that practice? Or like you're saying, you know, there's so many students that are working full time, which like, that's crazy. They're carrying all these credits and they're working full time. And don't we want to meet them? Don't we want to give them an education? And if that means that some of our content is asynchronous and some of our content is online, whatever it might be, I, I hope we bring that empathy with us so that we, we continue some of these practices. And of course, all the tools. I project Miro thinking about the environment and waste, you know, being able to just project all of the work on the projector on one screen, everyone just throws it on the mirror board. I'm never going to go back to having everyone print things out and pin it up on the wall. They might print out things to see the type size. That's important. But once we see it once, we know it works. Now we can just look at it digitally. So, so there's a lot of things that, that I hope we continue to do. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know what this return to normal was. I mean, you know, clearly it can't have been normal. Things can't have been working that well. The world wouldn't have gone to hell in a handcart as it, as it seems to have done. Yeah. And something you talked about was we are a professional practice. Our students are learning skills to work in certain industries. 
And if those industries aren't going back to normal, we're going to actually be doing our students like a disservice if we go back to normal because they need these skills because I don't think agencies are going back to 100% in person. They won't be competitive. And so we actually have to teach our students these skills if we want them to continue to be competitive. I mean, that really kind of uh, leads me to to celebrate in a way, you know, the the things that have happened, the things, the good things that have come out of this. For example, collaborations. I found that engaging my classes with not just let's say, with um, with other classes across campus or even let's say, within the same state, but on a global level has been phenomenal. The opportunities that have really raised their heads, you know, because of technology and because of the ability to bring people together across time zones and geographies, I think that's been amazing. Have you got any any kind of um, examples maybe where you feel that it's worked for you? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And any good stories, I have great, great stories. You know, one of the great things, even just you and I being able to collaborate together, you know, visiting each other's classrooms, it was never even a conversation to have. And then we were able to come together and talk about, you know, do I have a class you want to visit? And John and I opened this up to other people, other Adobe education leaders. And that was really just fun to be able to pop in and see what other people are doing. But also, I think that along with the idea of empathy and and what's happened the past two years, that it'd be remiss not to mention Black Lives Matter and just the social movements happening and being able to reflect upon the industry and the lack of diversity within the industry. And I, I think a lot of these types of collaborations across the country, across the world are kind of breaking down some of those barriers that we can now have different people coming into our classrooms and talking about what they're working on and what they're doing. Where before we really relied on our own small networks that were in a physical location close enough. And now we're able to bring in so many more diverse voices. And I can see that having a big impact on the type of work our students are producing and and just on how they're viewing their opportunities in this field. Yeah. I mean, we have to look beyond craft and I know that you do and and I do too, you know, for me, really, ultimately, I'm aiming for my students to have a worldview, you know, to have uh, an ethical underpinning to the work that they do, to be thinking about sustainability, not just in terms of the environment, but in terms of human relationships and so on. And yeah, of course, I said, you know, the collaboration and tech has opened up this world to all of our students, however cosmopolitan we may think that they are, you know, it's still, it's still opened up. Oh, I've got one great story, though, which is, one thing which I found fascinating and absolutely fantastic to be a part of, which was, I mean, I've loved lots of, you know, having you and other Adobe education leaders coming into the classroom and doing the Tasty Design Challenge for me was just a blast, you know, because of the way it was organized and the way that it helped us to compete against the college across the country and that it helped me to bring in such a variety of people to function as clients for my students. It was just amazing. But I also do work for um, for Miami Ad School sometimes, you know, something I, I didn't mention earlier. You may not know. I don't know whether you knew that. We haven't dug into it, but I knew I knew it was something that you were a part of. Yeah, I have been for um, for quite a while. I mean, less so now than at the beginning, but I still do a bunch of stuff for Miami Ad School, which I love doing, you know. And there was one thing that launched at the beginning of, of the pandemic, which was um, this global hackathon, because, of course, Miami Ad School have got campuses across the world. And the hackathons brought students, not just from across all of the different global campuses together to work in teams, 
but also it exposed them to clients and even like sort of global brands with a local flavor, you know, to, to work as clients. And so um, they were able to collaborate on the tech platforms, you know, on a global scale. And that was incredible. I had I was mentoring, I've mentored a few teams in those hackathons. And I had students from India, from Spain, from the East Coast, from the West Coast here, and then from Central Europe, other parts of Central Europe, like so working together on the same project live using a combination of Zoom and WhatsApp after hours. And of course the work was going on last of 24 hours because when the people Someone's in India, always working. Yeah, they were going to sleep. <laughs> the people in Spain were getting up. It was just amazing. And of course, one of the briefs was for um, for this global client, but it was from their Spanish office. I won't mention any names. And so, you know, we think we know a brand until we have to look at it from a different cultural perspective. And that is just an amazing experience. Had it not been for the pandemic, I can honestly tell you, I don't think that those hackathons would have existed. And perfect kudos to... The brains behind it, who is not related to Miami Ad School, she's based in Spain. And, you know, it's just working for a company in the U.S. and doing all these amazing things. And it was just a fantastic experience. That for me was one of the great things to come out of the pandemic was this kind of like big collaboration that makes the world seem small. It, it makes me think about those benefits students get from studying abroad, which, you know, I know you you agree that there's no replacing that to get to actually live in another culture. but not everyone can do that, you know, and if you're working full time, you can't. But if you can participate in a project like that, where you are forced to think about the cultural perspective on something that you think, you know, from your perspective, that's such, that's so valuable. And so just like on a signing off note, then, Abby, what do you think of the future of creative practice and education is? It's a good question. And, and I think we both think about it often. I think as the world kind of evolves and what we do and what we make changes. There won't be as many jack of all trades. I think it's very hard now to know everything, right? And, and so I'm really interested. I don't know exactly. I'm interested to see how things kind of go with thinking that way that we can't do everything within one discipline any longer where there was a time where we could. And that's where I think these other skills we've talked about, the empathy is, and the learnings to learn, I think they're only going to become more and more important. Those 21st century skills of how to work together and how to communicate are going to really lead education and, and be what people need to know when they get out of school to be successful. And, and I can see that growing along with some some different type of specialization. And those two things counter each other. So I don't know, but I'm, I'm really excited to be a part of it. And, and I love that you're having these conversations with people to have to think about this because we all will play a role in, in shaping what that becomes. I think that's, um, that's a great note to, to kind of begin the signing off process for this episode. Interdisciplinarity and collaboration is just so, so key, so key right now. I first came across that idea where it got me thinking about how we can approach it in education. It's a number of years ago now. It was um, an ad agency that I collaborated with who... Every Monday morning, I believe it was every Monday morning, brought in a speaker to address the entire agency, creatives, strategists, you know, everyone like, so from the top to the bottom on a different theme. And these were people from, there were lots like, so of brain surgeons and <laughs> brain surgeons and rocket scientists. You know, it really was, you know, there were people from totally outside the field to talk about what was new in what they were doing. And 
it may have related to client work. It may not have related to client work, but what it did was that it really kind of inspired the people who worked there to think differently and to bring in experiences from other disciplines too. And I thought that was an amazing thing. And hearing you saying this now, I think that for sure, that's where creative practice and creative education really needs to be heading, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm jealous of that. I, I want that every Monday morning. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can see a day where, you know, maybe we're hiring uh, science faculty to work within within our design schools. You know, that would be such a cool thing to have that kind of teamwork thing going on. We got we to gotta work on this, John. Yeah. We got a new idea. <laughs> we'll change the world. We'll change the world. Well, thank you, Abby. This has been a great conversation. I know these are conversations we have all the time, but it's so nice to kind of like sort of capture them and bring them some kind of format, you know, that people can digest. So thank you so much. It's been fascinating. I wish we could carry on forever because we all have different things to do. So thanks, Abby. And I look forward to, to the next conversations that we have. Great. Thank you so much for having me, John. Thank you.